Hello and welcome to Supply Chains, the Secret Sauce. I'm your host, Wade Wickes, CEO of Link Supply Chains at linksupplychains.com. This show is dedicated to supply chain and the secret sauce that supply chain provides for businesses. Going to have some humor, real life issues, some solutions, great connections, and a few life lessons. So tune in. Well, hello. Thank you for tuning into our show today. Wow, we've got a special, special show. I'm so excited about this show. Artificial Intelligence. Yes, it's a big topic, and we're going to listen to the CEO of Strategic Economic Engineering Corp. and how they solve business problems, not only for supply chains, but complex business problems. They make it easy. Stay tuned. On today's show, I am excited to have a guest who is the founder and CEO of Strategic Economic Engineering Corp. They solve complex business problems using AI to crunch through massive amounts of data, as well as intelligent programs that drive toward winning outcomes. Sam has over 20 years of experience in economic business strategy consulting. Link Supply Chains has partnered with Seek to help support supply chain projects that Seek analyzes. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. Now you're zooming in from, what is it, the mountains out there? Yeah, I'm in the mountains west of Denver. So the last of the snow is finally clearing up. Oh my gosh, I bet you that's beautiful out there. And you're probably ready for spring at this point. It's scheduled. (laughs) Uh, And we're looking forward to its arrival. That's fantastic. Well, I was uh, wondering if you wouldn't mind giving us some background. I know our listeners are really, I guess, in touch and in tune and trying to get even more in tune with, with AI and more strategically with the supply chains, with all that's going on in the economy and everything that's going on in the world. I thought it'd be really nice to start out with Tell me a little bit more about your company, Strategic Economic Engineering Corp., what it does and maybe what it solves. Sure. So because the actual company name is kind of a mouthful, we tend to call ourselves Seek, which is quicker. Um, And Seek was sort of born after I had spent a couple of years as an advisor to Google um, in my previous career as a uh, mergers guy, quantitative mergers guy in based out of London. And what really started the company was as we were working with Google, we were introduced to a part of that company that's called the chief economist team, which is a few economists, but a lot of data scientists. And as we were working on answering questions with, with that team, we saw them employing these sophisticated quantitative techniques that we were familiar with as, as data scientists that we'd always kind of suspected really could be used to run a company. But when we were working with Google was the first time we saw somebody actually doing that and having great results out of doing it. And so seven or eight years ago, me and 15 of my best friends quit our jobs and started the company. Um, and the, the real idea was to have something like an outsourced version or an outsourceable version of the Google chief economist team. So a general quantitative problem solving group. Uh, We have a quantitative neurobiologist. We have a theoretical physicist, all kinds of different data backgrounds. 
But the idea was to be able to create these, the kinds of highly customized answers to questions that the chief economist team was answering at Google. And since then, we've grown into do a reasonable amount of product development, do a reasonable amount of kind of operational optimization work. But the core theme is that, you know, we're using data to answer questions and solve problems, um, you know, in a wide variety of contexts, certainly including supply chain. So when people talk about data mining, you know, this is, this is much different than just data mining, right? It's it's more on the analytical, analytical driving to a strategy, kind of putting it all together. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a sense in which it's correct to say the data speak for themselves, but only if you're kind of a, asking pretty simple questions. And if you have a complex business problem, then in general, you're going to want to have some kind of a framework that you're fitting that problem into. And sometimes that can come from economics and the way that the markets that you're operating in work in sort of a technical sense. Sometimes it comes very much from the dynamics of your business internally and, and how things operate inside of your company. And usually it's kind of a combination of those. And so part of creating the kind of customized solutions that that Seek tends to work on is really understanding an organization, understanding the markets that it operates in, and then taking that really seriously as we craft machine learning solutions or artificial intelligence solutions to the kind of business questions that arise. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, those are super diverse from like really technical stuff. Like we work with an oil field services company on downwell pump failures, and it's all hmm radiation levels and temperatures and pressures to really kind of stuff that's more human or at least more humane, like sales processes and sort of the flow of an opportunity as it goes through an organization's sort of sales side. Wow. That's a big spectrum. That's, that's pretty amazing that you have that breadth of, uh, of depth to, uh, to handle different markets and different situations. That's pretty pretty interesting. So, w- when we think about timeframes, and again, just generalities about this um, and machine learning, does it does it take? I mean, I guess it depends how complex the problem is, but it can it can take a short time to set up, or is it is it a, a pretty lengthy process to set up? Yeah, we we've been at it for a bit, and so our process is relatively refined for most of the types of problems that we work on. And in fact, our typical project flows, we actually, before we start a project, we do a thing that we call engagement design. So we'll work with a client to look at their, the sources of data that they have, any external sources of data we might be able to bring to bear on answering the question that they're working on. Um, I'll give an example of that, just so it's a little more clear. If you think of an auto parts supplier, uh, there are certain things in the macro economy that are just sort of public data that you can watch that are going to make a difference to, you know, how many stamped parts they're going to need to supply to General Motors. Um, And so we can bring those sorts of things to bear. But we'll draw all that data together and first come up with, can we answer the question you're you're working on? Or can we solve the problem that you need solved with the data that are available? And then second, what are some options to do that? Because Developing a really fully automated solution 
is more resource and time intensive than developing a solution that's maybe has still has some human involvement, but that solves most of the problem and that can be put together more quickly. Uh, and in a lot of cases, we'll build that simple version first. And then once that's up and running and solving the problem and saving the money or making the money that it needs to save or make, we'll then turn to the more involved full automation kind of version. Gotcha. But a lot of those engagements are like six or eight weeks. Wow. That's impressive. That's that's neat to understand. I was wondering also on on the uh, scale of the most interesting, you know, projects that you've been involved in and how that impacts different strategy and trends in the supply chain industry. Have you done this a lot in, in supply chains and, and, you know, with all that's going on in the world now, obviously what's, what's coming in, in terms of economics and, and how that impacts supply chains is very strategic today. Yeah, I think I, what I think of as the coolest application that we built that is, involved in the kind of broader field of supply chain. It was for a, a company that makes sort of diagnostic tools for automobiles. So it's like the thing you plug into your car that reads the car's computer. Um, and there's a bewildering array of these devices. This, these, these guys had just 12,000 SKUs and 5,000 customers. And the system that we built for them that keeps leaping the mind during the COVID era was an automatic alerting system. So hmm. we had the computer watching all their customers and all their SKUs um, and it, we let it learn what's a typical pattern of kind of the ordinary course of business. And then its job was just to, to raise an alert to a human when the normal pattern broke down in kind of a specified way. And I just kept thinking of that during COVID because there were so many supply chain disruptions mm -hmm. and so many cases where things started to go awry. And I always wondered how out in front of that could a, a human really be in a way that I knew, I knew the machine could be just because of the application we built there. Um, and those automatic alerting applications are certainly something we've been doing for, I guess, about six years now um, that I think the public health crisis have have really pointed to the importance of uh, because it's so difficult to predict where things are going to break down in, in a complex, any complex organization, but particularly in the supply chain where you just have multiple suppliers and then multiple warehouses and then multiple customers. There's so many moving parts that it's really hard for even the most conscientious person to keep it in their head but the computer doesn't care. <laughs> the computer just handles it. <laughs> you know, that's so true. We, we tend to rely on uh, our reports and our different systems that provide us dashboards and things like that. But when you think about a computer and what a computer can do nowadays, um, the data consumption is just amazing to help with supply chains. Well, one of the ways that we tend to talk, we tend to, the popular parlance for a lot of what we do is, artificial intelligence or machine learning. And depending on who you talk to, they think one is a subset of, of the other. It's kind of an academic debate. But in terms of the applications we build for businesses, we tend to talk about them not as artificial intelligence, but synthetic conscientiousness. Hmm. It's not artificial because like we made it, <laughs> people <laughs> made it. 
and it's not also in some senses intelligence because you usually have a pretty defined business goal for them. What you really want is like an imaginary person who can just look at a thousand thousand page reports every hour and find something or act on something or let you know that something is wrong. And that's not necessarily an intelligent person, just a very conscientious person, you know, who just doesn't miss stuff. Um, And that's what so many of these applications end up working like. Um, I mean, apart from automatic alerting, a huge other sort of category is kind of prediction and classification. Those are technically related things, but another thing you want to keep track of in, in supply chain and in so many other applications is what's likely to happen next. And, you know, people can keep track of things where there's two or three big influences on what happens next, usually two. The machine doesn't care if there's 16 influences on what's likely to happen next. And then it can, you know, raise to a human being, hey, it looks like there's something that's worth paying attention to here. Hmm. And it's going to be a minute before the machines catch up to what that human being does with the information. I mean, it'll be years. But just being able to put it in front of an actually intelligent person is of huge value. That sifting ability to, to know what's important is, is the key. That's, that's a good point. Cool. Well, you know, as we think about where this is all going, and certainly it's, it's changed a lot over the most recent years, I wanted to, since I've got you on the line here, ask you about where you see this heading, maybe, you know, three to five years from now, whatever you feel might be interesting to share. Yeah, I mean, so much of, so much of what we've been working on in, in recent projects is removing needless tedium or removing error-prone areas from where it's somebody's sort of responsibility to monitor something that it's not really possible for a person to easily monitor. So having the machine sort of watch the shop, so to speak, and, and raise that up for people. And I think that for a long, in the same way that when relational databases rolled out and you saw enterprise resource planning programs, you know, SAP and those mm-hmm. kinds of things sort of slowly spread through, through the business world, it, the, the diffusion time is pretty slow. Um, and I think there will be a pretty long period of those kind of tedious tasks getting sort of slowly automated away so that valuable people can focus on valuable things. And so that the scope of responsibility, at least in certain roles, is a little bit more realistic. Um, As I said, you know, we're in the next five years, I don't think we're going to have artificial intelligence replacing the judgment call that you make when it looks like one of your suppliers is becoming increasingly unreliable. That's still going to be a meeting. Uh, Or when it looks like one of your customers is considering, uh, you know, dropping off um, their orders, that's still a meeting. Uh, But being able to reliably identify that is going to become, I think, increasingly widespread. It's just sort of the low-hanging fruit of implementing AI and machine learning inside of organizations. For those flags, those things to be aware of that we don't often see. Yeah, and also the what's about to happen part. 
you know, uh, because we do artificial intelligence, we spend a little bit of time trying to learn about like actual intelligence <laughs> and, uh, and, and neuroscience and related fields. And, you know, our brains, people, brains are predictive things, but our, our predictive capabilities compared to machines are pretty poor. Um, and so, you know, where you have five or six influences on how many orders you're going to have to get to a particular warehouse for fulfillment next month. Uh, the machine's really, really good at that. Um, and I think increasingly, you know, we'll probably find those little niche applications where we can optimize warehouse logistics and that, and that kind of stuff, uh, with, with machines instead of, uh, by, you know, relying on people's, people's experience to figure out what's likely to happen next month. And I suppose today we're we're not as aware, but I mean, behind the scenes, there's probably a lot of AI going on with Facebook, YouTube, a lot of uh, commerce, e-commerce has that um, ability to go in and tweak and see, you know, what what's working, what's not working. So uh, we may not know, but I mean, it, it is growing to your point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that you encounter with, the types of AI that are used at, you know, YouTube for video suggestions or inside of Facebook for creating the newsfeed that you see is, and it's sort of interesting. If you talk to the engineers who work on that and ask them sort of, why did this happen in my Facebook feed, for example, or why did this happen in my YouTube recommendations? They actually can't answer the question. The, the way that those artificial intelligences work is sort of such that you kind of give it a goal and you give it some data and it does its thing and, and hmm. dredging out of it, why it did it is a really difficult problem. And for that reason, in a lot of our commercial applications, we use simpler machine learning sort of apparatus hmm. because there's often so much that you can learn about your business from how the algorithm that we've developed comes up with the answers it's coming up with. And it can really point to areas for improvement in, inside of an organization that some of the more esoteric and advanced AI just doesn't leave on the table for you. It just gives you the answer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And there, and from a business standpoint, you know, the, I'm sure there's folks that worry about risk and, uh, you know, gathering too much information and maybe going off in, a, in the wrong direction. But with AI, I mean, there's controls that you can put in place. You can min mitigate the risk. You can um, have it aim more precisely, I think is what your message is, right? It, it is. And, you know, another, certainly in the, in the systems that we built, that we build, I should say, um, we, we really focus on super targeted solutions. Like there should be a defined problem. There should be some KPIs around what a good solution looks like. And, you know, we should know what data we're going to try to bring to bear on it. And we should make the smallest thing that we can make that is going to solve the problem. And so even for customers that we have multiple engagements with working on different issues, we're never building Skynet. It's always a bunch of little machines that live in the cloud that are answering really specific questions. Um, it just makes it so much easier to control and monitor their performance. 
uh, the, that is the AI's performance or the machine learning algorithm's performance um, and keeps things from getting out from under you because it, returning to that point of synthetic conscientiousness, you know, you want it to be just a really good employee and you want to be able to monitor it um, and put fences around, you know, what it's allowed to do and make sure it's not doing anything silly. We're pretty careful about designing stuff so that it doesn't do anything silly, but we're also pretty careful about monitoring it just to keep everything simple and make sure we're doing exactly what we intended to do with those uh, algorithms and nothing more. Yeah, I think I think that's important to communicate. Thank you for explaining that so everybody has that comfortability about it because uh, it can be pretty powerful in a good way with uh, with a lot of great controls, which is awesome. Now, how do people get a hold of you? Probably the best way to get in touch um, is just to reach out to me directly. So it's sam.brown at seec-econ, seekecon.com. Um, and yeah, if there's anybody who's interested in exploring using machine learning in their organization or just in general solving data problems or solving problems with data, um, that, that's what we do. Our uh, machine learning and AI team is out of Houston, so they're local for uh, listeners in North America. And the bulk of the rest of the SEEK team are in London and Berlin. Uh, but they're, you know, certainly available for folks over there who may catch this and be interested in working with us. Great. Well, we'll put uh, your LinkedIn profile in, in the description of this podcast, and we'll also put that uh, email address in there as well. Sam Brown, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks very much, Wade. It was a pleasure, pleasure to speak with you. Hey, that completes the show for today. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for listening. If you have any information for me that you'd like to share, thoughts, comments, info at linksupplychains.com is my email address. And of course, if you'd like to give back to the show, please look at www.linksupplychains.com. Click on the podcast tab and make a donation. Really appreciate that. I am available for public speaking and available to help in any way possible. Uh, we're here to help women in supply chain, professionals in supply chain. Thank you so much.